0: When the fire was finally out i was drunk and every car in hall three was destroyed along with the roof and one wall good afternoon the sun is going down just over there so we might end up with some really crazy light in this video but i have quite a crazy story for you i figured as i just posted a video about the practical classics restoration show this is a jeff tells stories about what happened ...at the classic car show in November at the NEC. This is 100% a true story. It's actually more like 50%, but I'll leave it up to you to work out which bits are true. It's called The Send-Off. This story... this one's also quite long. This story begins in July of 2021, when Mrs Jeff returned from the shops and announced... ...I've seen a proper Jeff car up there on the street... In her words, it was a black square Volvo just like ours, so I went to investigate. It was indeed a square Volvo, quite like our 850, but an early V70 classic in black and the paintwork looked tired all over and it wore some distinctive stickers, promoting the YouTube channel Sam's T5 Story. We did some research and watched the back catalogue of videos. Sam was a young lad restoring a V70 T5 with help from his dad Tom, so I typed up a quick letter popped it in a Jeff Buys Cars mug and walked up to leave it on the roof of the T5. The letter was an invite for Sam to borrow my newly built Volvo 850 Touring Car replica, as well as a general hello from a fellow YouTuber. Sam and Dad Tom did actually get in touch, and they did borrow the Touring Car for a little while. They also ended up being gifted the ex-Jeff Buys Cars Citroen Picasso sandpit when their Volvo was off the road, undergoing some repairs. Some months later, Tom got in touch regarding the V70. Although they had invested a lot of time, money and effort into the T5, two things had happened. One, Sam had seen the potential in a race car replica and was now losing interest in the Volvo and hankering after a small hatchback to turn into a rally replica. And two, the engine on the T5 had begun to let go. What started as a hesitation during acceleration turned out to be a terminal diagnosis for the engine. It needed a complete rebuild. So on a cold day in February, I got a message from Tom saying, would I like to buy the T5? The timing was terrible. I had cars coming out my eyeballs. And as a result, my cash flow was non-existent. I discussed the car with Roger Roger Coffin Dodger. You may remember him from some of my other videos and also Hereford Volvo specialists who had diagnosed the car. I then apologized profusely, declined to buy the car and then bought it anyway. The general agreement was that I could buy the car On the proviso that I did something other than strip it for parts, scrap it or banger race it. What this 198,000 mile base spec bad paint broken car needed was a delicate and respectful send off. So I paid Thompson money and cut the roof off. That's not quite true. I cut the roof out, not off as such. I've always loved convertibles and I've always loved estate cars. So it seemed natural to build an estate car with a full length opening sunroof. Not only did I have the perfect car to test my roof theory on, but I also had a deadline. The Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration Show was approaching, and I'd somehow managed to blag a last-minute four-car display stand. I said it was the Classic Motor Show at the start of the video, but it wasn't. It was the Resto Show. Wow. Did I do that in March last year? How did I get that done in time? Anyway... This was the perfect opportunity to showcase the race car and the newly christened Volvo V70 California. Local lad Lee from Dubshop Automotive cut the roof out of the Volvo, while a local company, Tarpaulin Repair Services, did a great job of supplying a press stud roof to cover the hole. The show opened on the Friday, we chopped the roof off on the Tuesday, finished the prep on the Wednesday and parked the car on the stand on Thursday evening. That bit's really true. It was such a pig to get these cars ready for the show. The drive to the show was hilarious. Despite the rain hammering down, the bad traffic, and the epic amounts of road spray, the newly fashioned roof refused to leak. Also true. The press stud roof was extremely tight, and I'd done my best to seal the rough edges with C-shaped sunroof seal bought from eBay, which I glued in place for the tricky bits. More on that glue later. The first big test drive proved that my genius idea worked in the real world, although I did notice that the fuel economy seemed worse than normal. But more on that in a bit as well. On arrival at the NEC, a steward showed me to the stand and I was pleasantly surprised to find that I had a premium location. My stand was situated between the restaurant and the classic car auction, where expensive and exotic cars would be hammered away to new owners during the weekend sale. When the crowds entered the halls on Friday morning, both the roof-chopped Volvo V70 California and the touring car were all set, pointing towards each other with the ink barely dry on my freshly printed information boards. Business cards promoting my YouTube channel sat on the windscreens and the whole scene looked very professional. I would rigged fairy lights throughout the display, notably around the freshly chopped roof on the V70. To avoid any tampering, I tightly duct taped the battery pack for the lights to the top of the roof of the car. These lights flickered gently as I photographed the display, proud of my handiwork and blissfully unaware that the £6 lights would soon lead to a £6 million bill. The show progressed, as classic car shows do, with idle chat and coffee and many, many pork pies. I left the show on Friday night and realised I'd forgotten to switch off the fairy lights. No matter, I thought, they'll be just fine. On the Saturday morning, I arrived early and sure enough, the lights were flickering and the batteries were healthy. This was my first mistake. What I should have done is touch the battery pack just to check for overheating. Had I read the instructions on the lights, I'd have known that one should never cover the entire battery pack with black duct tape, as this could lead to a catastrophic chain of events which culminates in a large fire. If I'd read the instructions, I wouldn't have used highly combustible tape to attach the battery pack right underneath where I'd used highly combustible glue to attach the highly combustible roof seals. After a busy day of classic cars, I left on Saturday evening and all was well with the display cars but under the light of the full moon, things were beginning to change. You could say that events were heating up. The show opened at 10 on Sunday, and by one o'clock, I'd explained the story of the T5 a thousand times. Yes, it's an end of life car. Yes, the engine needs a rebuild. Yes, I'm gonna scrap it after the show. Over and over again I explained the plight of the car, taking care to emphasise the fact that the Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration show was the final swan song for this black T5. Around 3.30pm, just before the announcement came over the tannoy to say the show would be closing in half an hour, the inevitable happened. The fairy lights that I'd forgotten to turn off for three days straight, that I'd covered in cheap duct tape against the advice of the instructions, that I'd taped to the inside of the car beneath some extremely flammable glue, finally overheated. The battery smoked and then sparked into life, and then set the taper light, which lit the glue on fire. The glue lit the spray paint that I'd used to cover the patina, and the spray paint lit the roof lining, and the roof lining lit the rubber seals, which progressed down the open doors and reached the floor. You'd think by this point that I'd have noticed the fire, but sadly I was in the bar ordering my third post-show beer. On any normal Volvo, the fire reaching the floor wouldn't have been a problem, but the excessive fuel consumption of this particular car wasn't due to engine wear. It turned out that the plastic filler neck had come away from the fuel tank, meaning that while the Volvo had sat on display for three days, fuel had slowly been gathering between the rear wheels. Before any of the NEC staff could shout, fetch a fire extinguisher, the fuel tank was breached and the resulting explosion ignited the highly flammable vinyl on the race car replica. That thing leaks oil, water and petrol on a good day, so it wasn't long before three days worth of leaked petrol ignited beneath the race car. As this petrol caught fire, a small explosion followed, which propelled the race car in an upwards and sideways direction, onto the immaculate Mercedes-Benz SLK on the dealer stand opposite. The SLK was for sale, and this wouldn't normally have caused too much of an issue, but in this case, the plastic petrol cap that screws to the filler neck had gone missing. The dealer had noticed the slight petrol smell throughout the show, but figured he could resolve that after the Sunday. But it was too late. When the Volvo race car finished its upward trajectory, propelled by the explosion of its own fuel tank, gravity brought it slamming back down, on top of the Mercedes and the two began an extremely hot and fiery relationship. The heat from the burning wreckage of the SLK and Volvo was enough to light up the eight or so other Mercedes cars that were on the stand. And this in turn gave a good licking to the white picket fence between the Mercedes dealer and the classic car auction. Had the fence been a traditional wooden picket fence, it would have least have put up a fight. But being a classic car show and not gardeners world, the fence was a prop made from highly flammable foam. The moment the first flames hit the fence, the entire thing exploded into life in that strange, melty, burny, spitty way that foam likes to burn. Generally, even this would have been an easy fence to extinguish as the foam burnt itself out in a short, sharp and intense fire. But on the other side of these particular fence panels was a beautiful Ford Gran Torino from the auction. A car that had been submitted to the sale by its owner Due to the constant and untraceable fuel leak around the carburetors, the owner had decided that an auction was the safest way to dispose of the car With such a problem, as after three days of sitting static, the contents of the fuel tank would be neatly pooled beneath the car. As the foam fence panel collapsed under its own weight, the top of the fence caught the shallow end of the Gran Torino's fuel spillage, which quickly ignited the deep end, and the car, in its entirety, followed suit. By this point, the staff and customers had all safely evacuated and I had somehow managed to escape hall four holding three more beers, none of which I'd paid for. From the muster point in the car park, we could hear the boom, boom, boom as each successive fuel tank was breached along with the sound of approaching sirens. Further compounding the problem was the auction house policy of every car arriving at the auction with at least half a tank of fuel in years gone by, that had major problems with cars running out and having to be pushed away from the auction. So a policy that was designed to make life easy for the auctioneers now made life difficult for the firefighters. Car after car exploded as the sky filled with a thick plume of smoke and sirens and hoses drowned out the sound of burning exotica. I sank my beers and I hid behind a fire marshal to quietly sneak two more pints from the charred remains of the bar, although at this point, they were no longer cold. When the fire was finally out, I was drunk and every car in Hall 3 was destroyed, along with the roof and one wall. Thankfully, no one was injured due to the quick-thinking staff. Amazingly, the insurance companies stumped up and covered the costs, and an investigation later found that a faulty wiring socket within the auction compound had short-circuited beneath the Gran Torino, which caused the fire. A week later, I returned to the charred and blackened scene to retrieve what was left of my possessions. All that remained of the V70 California was a C badge, eight press studs from the roof and the tow bar frame. I looked sheepishly at the director of classic car auctions who was there with a clipboard and some very unhappy looking clients. Although I'd intended to give the car a good send off, a wildfire wasn't exactly what I had in mind, but sometimes fate intervenes. And after all, the Volvo was a proud Scandinavian. And maybe a Viking funeral was what it really wanted. As for the Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration Show, I've sent an email asking about displaying my cars this year. But oddly, I haven't heard anything back. Thanks for listening. Yeah, true story. Apart from that last bit, because they are actually allowing me to display my cars this year. So great timing on that video. I'd intended to film that one today anyway. And today's the day they said, yes, Jeff, you can bring your car next year to the show this year, this very year in a few weeks time. So if you'd like to see my cars at the Practical Classics Restoration Show, the 850 T5 and uh, Lyndon's Sunbeam and and maybe one of your cars and maybe a gigantic fire And I'll see you at the Practical Classics Restoration Show on the weekend of the 25th. Except I won't be there because I've been invited to the Holy Island Fishing Celebration because we won. We stopped the Holy Island Fishing Ban on Holy Island. And I feel privileged to have been invited. So I'm not going to miss that. But I will be there on the Friday. So maybe I'll see you there. Thanks for listening to my story.